not just Galatians, but whenever I, just like in our men's group with the book of Moses, I mean, uh, the, the life of Moses and all those things. So let's get into it, okay? We've titled this message this morning, Religious Bondage. Probably none of you have ever heard of that, and you probably never experienced it. Yeah, right. Religious bondage is so real in our world today. Galatians 3, let's read verse 1 through 5. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works with miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Father, we love you. And we ask you, God, to not let this message be what I want to say. Let it be what your Spirit wants to say. Talk to us this morning. Open our eyes. And what the Spirit has to say, those who have an ear, let them hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. Bases are loaded. The Galatian giants are up to bat. And here we are. They're down by three in the final game of the Antioch Championship. Y'all watch that game? <laughs> Nobody probably seen that one. But they all know how they got here. All the guys that are in the dugout, all the fans who are in the stands, they all know how they got there. Their number one slugger, Tommy the Tank Foster, has. Just, I don't know how long it took me to come up with that name, but that's who he is. Tommy the Tank Foster comes up, and he hasn't missed a game this year where he hasn't knocked it out the park. Tommy hadn't done it this time. Not yet, but he's up to bat. Bases are loaded. The Galatian Giants down by three. Tommy's coming up. The crowd is chanting. What are they chanting? Tommy. Come on, get with me. Tommy. Tommy, y'all know what they're saying? Because Tommy's fixed to knock it out the park. People are on the edge of their seats. They're standing up. They already know this thing's going. Going, gone. It's fixing to be over with, and everybody's cheering, expecting nothing less than a home run from the tank. He's fixing to do it. But before Tommy walks out on the field, the unknown to the crowd over here in the dugout, there's a new guy in the dugout. Now, this new guy in the dugout, he's claiming to be one of the best coaches there ever is, and he is discrediting everything that their coach that they've had throughout the entire season, he's discrediting everything that he's done, and he begins to tell Tommy how that he needs to go out and bat left-handed. He ain't batted left-handed all year. He's a right-handed slugger. But Tommy, you need to go out and be a switch hitter. You need to line up left-handed so you'll throw the, the pitcher off. Does Tommy need to throw the pitcher off or does he need to knock it out the park? He needs to knock that sucker out the park. Forget what old, old homie over here in the dugout saying. But anyway, he is so influential to Tommy that he convinces Tommy that he needs to bat left-handed. People come out and his number one fan is right behind the pitcher's mound, I mean behind the batting box there. And he says, Tommy, what are you doing? This is stupid, man. You've never hit left-handed. But Tommy lines up anyway. What happens on the first pitch? Strike one. Second pitch? Strike. Needless to say, Tommy didn't hit the home run and the Galatian Giants lost the Antioch Championship. Now that sounds completely stupid, don't it? That's foolish. That's just a story. But that's how Brother Joey's mind works when he reads scriptures. Because this is exactly what happened 
in what Paul's reading right here, what he, what he wrote in Galatians chapter 3. I was reading through different translations. I don't know how many of you ever do that. Some people think that different translations are the devil. But I like to read them and get a different idea about things. In the God's Word translation, maybe some of you have it on your phone, you can pull it up, and you might see where you are identified in the very first few words of the Scriptures. It says, Oh, stupid Galatians. He calls them flat out stupid. That's what he's trying to say when, they're, when he's talking about the foolishness of the Galatians. He's saying, how stupid can you actually be? This third chapter here of Galatians is about a new guy coming to the church and convincing the people that the way they've been doing things is all wrong. There's this underlying theme in the Galatians here that speaks of two different Gospels. Of course, Paul comes in and he talks about the one true Gospel, this Gospel that is of Jesus Christ, this Gospel where a man who was God in the flesh came and died for all of humanity so that they could be saved. Not to where you'll be saved by your name being on a church roll, or by a priest saying whatever over you, or by somebody baptizing you when you was a baby, or by somebody baptizing you when you was an adult. It was about a man coming, dying for you, so that if you would accept his gift, you will be what? If you would accept it. But that seems like it's too hard. That's too easy. It's so easy, it's difficult to perceive and to conceive. Galatians 1.6 says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Does that happen today? Now, it'd be easy to think that something like this could never happen to a church like the Galatian church. They were strong, they were thriving, they were doing well, but things like this usually happen when people begin to think that they can set back Put the church, the government of the church, and the watching over of the church, just hit the cruise button and just sit back and let it take autopilot. A lot of times we think that we can just back up and not take, uh, take complete understanding and pay attention to what's happening around us. And then unbeknownst to us, little things and people start coming into the church to do things that we don't understand is actually being done. Believe it or not, Satan sends people in among the church in order to cause confusion, in order to cause division, which causes the church to take their eyes off of the one who brought them to where they are in the first place. And when we take our eyes off the one, we put our eyes on something else. We always put our eyes on something else. Over there in the book of 1 John, it tells us that we should walk in the light as He is in the light, talking about Jesus Christ. Now, if Jesus is that pillar on the wall over there, and, I, and He is a light that's shining bright, when I am walking towards Him, am I walking in the light? Am I or not? He's the light, I'm walking in the light, so I'm facing the light. So if I'm walking in the light as He is in the light, I can see where I'm going. But if I turn my back on God, what am I walking in then? My shadow. That's our problem. You begin to walk in your own shadow. Remember what I told you was the number one problem in the equation of sin? You got a little S and a little N bookending a great big what? I. You are right there in the middle. You are the problem. I has always been the problem. And whenever we turn our back on God, 
We begin to walk in our own shadow because His light behind us is causing our shadow to be seen wherever. And we think that we are so big and powerful and mighty. And these Galatians began to see this through the false teachings of someone else. And they took the gospel that got them to where they were, set them free, the grace of God that showed them their sinful nature and showed them how they could be forgiven for it, and yet they began to take another route. You see, the more that I read this book, the more I see the modern day American church. In Galatians 3 and 2, Paul begins to ask questions. He said, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? In other words, did you receive the Spirit of God by what you do or by believing what Jesus did? Third, uh, second question, look at verse 3. Are you so foolish? And right here uh, in, the good, in the God's Word translation, it says, are you so stupid? Because this is what we do. We get foolish in our thinking, thinking that we can do it some other way than what Jesus Christ has done. And I'm here to tell you they believed Him because Satan convinced them that they could do it better than God. And we are doing the same thing in our world today. When we go our way and when we start to live in willful disobedience, which is sinful transgression against God, we believe that we can do it better than Him. And so here he comes and he says, are you so foolish? You've begun. You've begun. How did you begin? In the Spirit. And now, are you being perfected through your flesh in the things that you can do? I want you to consider these questions as I continue. Here in Galatia, this was a, there was a, a religious group of people called Judaizers. And Judaizers is a term for Christians who insist that they're, that they're co-religionists. Those people that worship with them or, or, or claim religion, that they would obey and keep the letters of the law, of Moses' law. And so they would have to dot every I, cross every T of the old law. The Judaizers imposed this idea on other people. The Judaizers' trump card was called circumcision. And they said that unless you go through this procedure, you cannot become a child of God. And they begin to hang all of this on the collars of every person that claimed to be a child of God through Jesus Christ. Oh, that's fine. You can, you can be a Christian, but have you done so-and-so? Now, I know that that probably doesn't sound like anything that happens in our world today. So this meant that the Gentiles, they were lost, right? Because you were either a Jew or you are a Gentile. If you are not here this morning... If you're here this morning and you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile with a capital G. You're a Gentile. That means that you were not born a Jew. But there were rituals and routines that you could go through, cleansing ceremonies, circumcision, that would make you a Jew spiritually so that you could become a child of God. Boy, I am thankful that God changed all that when He sent Jesus. You see, guess what? The people fell for it. They accepted a false gospel and rejected the true gospel. Why do I see the American church in this picture? Because we've become a people who are also willing to accept a false gospel today. Think about it. How often do you see the altars full at a revival meeting? Think about this. And the, and the evangelist stands up and he says, Hey, all of you can be saved if you will be... Hey, all of thing that you have and give it to the poor tomorrow. Hey, 
All of you can be cleansed of your sins. And you can have a home, a mansion in heaven. If you will just tithe regularly and give offerings. If you will do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D. How many times have you had revivals where that's the message and the altars are just filled up? You never see that. You know what the common message is for the evangelists in our world today? They preach Jesus Christ. They say, if you will believe in Jesus Christ, they'll go over there in Romans 10 and 9 and say, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. They teach that. They believe it. And then people come around the altars and they accept it. Amazingly, this message works. Wow, Jesus said over in the book of John that if you will lift me up, I will draw all people to myself. And guess what? It works. But the American culture and the American church has accepted this false doctrine, this false teaching, this false gospel that after a person has prayed a prayer, whether they got saved or not, they pray this prayer and then they say, yeah, you're saved and everything is fine and you're going to go to heaven, but you need to do blah, 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 blah. You understand what I'm saying? This is happening every time. The preacher preaches salvation through Christ alone. People step out on what they believe is faith. But along the way, they begin to accept this other stuff. This underlying philosophy that is sickening the religious world in America today. You are made to feel guilty because you don't put any money in the offering plate to help the family in need, right? Hey, you're saved, but if you want to stay there, you better start helping these sick people and these poor people, and you better start giving some money so we can build another building. Yeah. You may, you, you, you're criticized because you don't say enough prayers through the week. Maybe you didn't perform enough good deeds for people. Maybe you didn't do enough rituals to meet the religious quota that you've been taught all your life. Maybe you didn't make it to enough meetings or meet a criteria, a certain criteria that's been selected by a certain number of other sinner people just like you who think they're better than you and they can impose their will upon yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you can be saved if you accept Jesus. But, but, and it don't just stop there. Paul had it bad enough whenever he said that there are two doctrines or two gospels out there that are being preached. The one that is Jesus Christ that Paul said, I have taught you, and if anybody comes along telling you anything different, let the curses of this book be on their life. But then they came out and they began teaching this false gospel. But you know what? In our world today, there's a third gospel that's being preached. A bunch of stupid stuff, false things that are being taught in this world that is not true at all. It's not biblical. And people are taking it, manipulating it, warping it, making them think that this is the only way you can be saved. If you are a part of a certain church and your name's on a certain roll, you're saved and going to heaven. But if it's not, you're not going. Is that the gospel? No, because I've never seen in the Bible where it says that you have to be a member of any church. Any church. All it says is that you are supposed to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And the underlying theme of that means that you become a part of God's church. It doesn't say anything about being members in the church. 
But yet, you have these things. It says, Paul's, Paul's speaking here. He, he, he's saying that this foolish stuff, it goes deeper than that because these ideas are floating around that salvation comes through baptism, whether you are a baby or an adult. And once you are baptized, then you're saved. That's being taught in our world today. And some of you might believe that, but I'm telling you, it's heresy. It is not truth. Do we, do we think that we need to be baptized? Absolutely. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was baptized. And it says that you should be immersed, put down in the water, and follow Jesus Christ. Follow Him and His baptism. But yet, people are telling you today that you are not saved until. Until you are. There's nothing true about that at all. It's not biblical. It comes in and people, people are saying that, that you can only be saved when and only when you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues and fall out in the floor. That's what brings salvation in your life. But that's not biblical. It's not biblical. People will say, yes it is, it is biblical, it's right there. No, it's not. Let's get it and let's look at it and let's, let's show what it really is. The, the Holy Spirit working in your life is a byproduct of salvation. It is a byproduct. Just like diesel is a byproduct of gasoline. Guys, we have to be under the, we have to understand that salvation comes through Christ alone, not anything that brings glory to you or to the church or to any religious organization. It is all about Him. And He's the one that brings salvation. Friends, understand, we go and we even talking about this joining churches. Whenever I hear these things, I can't help but quote Paul and say, have we become so foolish? Instead of reading the Bible and understanding it, we take what some preacher says because he is titled a pastor or some evangelist or whoever he might be, and we never search it out for ourselves, and we never find the truth, and we never find freedom because we are chained up in bondage of another gospel that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. We're, bond, we're bound up in all of these things. And do you actually think that you can start this journey like Paul says? Can you start this journey with the Spirit of God and finish this journey by relying on things that you have done to polish up your ego or to polish up somebody else's ego? You see, we have these people and these religious organizations in our world today. You know whenever the bus ministry started? Back, when it, back in the 70s when the bus ministry came and it was big. And all these churches, they would bus kids in. Take them into a VBS. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what the underlying idea was there? Let's get them in. Get them to pray a prayer. Get them, get them, get them saved. Because you know what? Salvation apparently comes from whenever a child kneels at an altar with a pastor. And the pastor says, I think you got it. That's what the American culture is teaching. There ain't no salvation in that at all. It's a lie. It's an emotional roller coaster, and it causes people to believe in this false idea of what salvation is. But yet, they get them and they bust them in, they bring them in, and they get them worked up emotionally, and they say, hey, you know what? You know what these churches do? They want to put a big, big thing out there on their billboard, and they want to say, you know what? We had 75 people give their heart to Jesus Christ. All these kids. You have these people that are so worked up, and, and they're so eager about going on these mission trips and stuff in third world countries, and you know what I see? I see them posting the mess all over Facebook. They're more concerned about somebody in America seeing what they're doing rather than sharing the gospel with somebody over there who has never seen nor heard Jesus Christ. 
We are worried about what everybody else thinks about us, polishing our ego instead of giving somebody the gospel of Jesus. And I'm here today to tell you that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it'll set you free. Hallelujah. It'll set you free. And you won't be worried about all this foolish mumbo-jumbo and this jargon that is out there in this world today. Man, I tell you what, I can get excited about this. I know when Jesus set me free. And I know whenever the grace of God came down and snapped the chains of bondage in my life. I don't have to worry about what you think or what somebody else thinks. All I have to do is worry about what Jesus Christ, what God thinks about my life. And if I'm living my life according to His will and His good deeds and in His righteousness, I am going to make it to heaven. You know why? Do you know why I know I can make it to heaven? Do you know why I am sure that I'm going to make it to heaven? Because the Bible says that my God is not a liar. He laid out a perfect foundation. And He said, Joey, if you do this, I will let you in heaven. And all I have to do is walk up to the gates of heaven and look Jesus Christ square in the eye and say, Lord, I know that I'm a messed up guy. I know that there is, there's a bunch of things in my life that were wrong, but you told me that if I accept you and I live my life for you, that you will let me in heaven. And I know I'm not perfect, but by God I accepted you and I have done everything that I could do to live my life through the power of your Holy Spirit and you let me in heaven. You know what he's going to do? He's going to say, well done. My good and faithful servant. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the truth. Because our God cannot lie. And if you accept Him as your Lord and Savior today, you have been promised a home in heaven. You've been promised that. You don't have to wonder. You can know. But we have this free gift. And you know why it's so easy? For everybody to accept this foolishness that's out here in this world today? Why it's so? I'm getting hot. I'm sorry. But while we have these people who are, who are so susceptible to accepting these, these false doctrines and this, this false religion that's in the world today, let me just ask you this. If I knew right now that you were in need of groceries, you're poor, you don't have nothing, bad things have happened in your life, and I know that the $100 bill that's in my pocket right now would help you, and I walk down from this, pope, from this stage right here in the middle of 300 people. And I walk out there and, and I say, here, Tammy, I want you to have this $100 because I know you need it. Right here in front of everybody. Everybody in the, on the internet, everybody watching out there. You know what Tammy's going to do? If she's a normal person, she's going to say, I don't, I don't need that. I, it's, I mean, give it to somebody else that needs it. Because even though she knows... And, and I don't know, I'm not telling y'all anything about Tammy's pantry or whatever. I'm just assuming. I'm just, I'm just using her as an example because she's my mother-in-law and I can get away with it. I can ask for forgiveness later. But if I knew that her pantry was bare and there was nothing there and that this $100 would help her get through the week, maybe a couple of weeks, she would still, because of pride that is in her life, she would say, give it to somebody else. Embarrassment sets in. Her pride takes over and she rejects a gift that is free. You understand? That example that I just gave you is exactly what God did whenever He saw me. And I cannot tell you how long it was when God just kept sending a free gift to my life. He kept sending it to me. And I kept saying, Lord, I don't need that. Somebody else needs it. I don't need it. 
This free gift that God took Jesus Christ and He sent Jesus into a world. When our pantries were bare, spiritually bare, and we had nothing left to feed on. We had nothing. We were in spiritual dryness. We were in a wasteland spiritually. But, but God said, I will send Jesus Christ to you and He will be the $100 bill that will give you everlasting life. He will fill your spirit. He will overflow you with milk and honey. He will give you the water that your soul needs and He will restore you. He will give you peace. And then I said, Lord, I don't need that. You know why I said I don't need it? Because I was too embarrassed to admit that I was wrong. I was too embarrassed to admit that I was the one that was impoverished. I was too embarrassed to admit that I was the one that had been doing everything wrong. And that's why everybody sits in the, in the pew right where you are now. That's why you don't see altars filled up anymore. You know why people aren't praying around the altar? Because you don't need it anymore. You know why you don't need it anymore? Because you're too proud to admit that there is somebody out there who has what you need and you are too stupid. Like Paul said, stubborn, foolish to admit that they have what you need. God has what you need. Not the person beside you. He's got what you need. Personally. Individually. This is a plan that He made that fits all of our blood types. He fits everything. But we don't want to accept it. You know why? Because of pride. We think that it's too easy. There's got to be something, something wrong with this. And when we see those things coming across the TV, we see those ads, we see all that marketing, say all you have to do is sign up and you get all this stuff. Oh, that's too good to be true. And that's exactly the way we believe about Jesus Christ. It's too good to be true. Therefore, we must have to work for it. We must, well, it, it must, it's got to take something. So, so we, we select that we need to speak in tongues or be baptized or join a church or let the priest pray over his Hail Mary, this, that, and the others, or you name it, whatever you want to call it. And we name out all these things because there has to be something else. But all the Bible says that if you want to be saved, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You think that coming to church here on Sunday, watching on the internet, you think that that is going to fulfill your duty to God as our musicians come. You think that's going to fulfill your duty to God? Do you think that by following all these rituals and doing things that we have learned in our American culture today, that all these things that we can do physically, that we can continue to work and do and get caught up in this work salvation jargon in our world today, we think that that's what's going to fulfill our duty to God? Let me tell you what's going to fulfill your duty to God. Accepting what Jesus Christ did for you. Period. Fulfilling your duty to God is accepting what Jesus did for you. He went to a cross. Nobody drug Him there. He did it because He loved you. He did it because He loved all of humanity. In our world today, we ought to start changing our religious, the Church of God or the Baptist or the Pentecostal or the Assembly or whatever your favorite flavor is. We need to take all that junk off and put, we are the Church of the Doers. Church of the Doers. Because we think that we have to do and do and do and do and do and do and do. 
And the more we do, the closer to God we're going to get. But I'm telling you today, I don't want to be a part of the doer church anymore. I want to be a part of the done church because it's already been done. You get it? It's already been done. When Jesus went to the cross and He said it's finished, it meant that anything that you thought you needed to do, He already done it. It is finished. Good works. Paul says you show me somebody who's accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and their life has been changed and I will show you the good works that are the byproduct of what has happened in their life. But you will not do the good works and change your life. Change your life by accepting Jesus Christ and the good works follow those people. The doing for the poor, the giving of money, the baptism, the works of the Holy Spirit, the church, all those things follow when you come to know who Jesus Christ is. Would you pray with me this morning? Matter of fact, the altars are open right now if you want to come. This is my belief today, Father, is that there shouldn't be a person here this morning who is not concerned about where they stand with you. There shouldn't be a person who has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning that should not be interested in how they look at you and how they configure what you have done in their life. Father, there should never be a question in our mind today. There shouldn't be a question, Father, for any one of us that if we're saved or if we're not. Because if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Father, there should be no question. We need to know it. And whenever that happens in our life, God, when when it happens in our life and our lives are changed, these things begin to happen and take place in our life that makes us the people that You want us to be. Lord, I know that for a long time I said, the only thing that you require of us is obedience. Lord, I believe that I had that wrong. And I'm willing to be ever expected out of us is, is, is faithfulness. You want us to be faithful to you. And Lord, in that faithfulness, we learn that we really do not have all the answers. But if we have faith in you, believing in that that we can't see, touch, smell, but if we have faith in it, in you and in what you can do in our lives, there can be a great, great change in what we do and who we are. So, Father, I'm asking you today that your spirit would move. Father, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that you'll move on them in such a way, God, that they can be gloriously saved this morning. What a day it would be if someone started their new walk with you today. They gave their heart to you. Lord, it would be a changed life the Bible says that all of heaven throws a party when someone comes to Jesus. It says they all began to shout and they praise God. It says all of heaven rejoices when just one lost soul comes to Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you today, have your will in your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, church. If you have a need for prayer this morning, if you have a need for prayer, guys, I'd be willing to pray with you around this altar. There's somebody else that'd be willing to pray with you.
anybody would come here and do that for you. So just mind the Lord. Let Him do His work in your life. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every Come now and have your way. 